With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Tuesday, the 19th of July, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield are a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're normally geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. If you go to libertyshield.com, use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, you'll get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. It is a quiet day. Not a whole lot is happening. Arsenal seem to be closing in on the signing of Alexander Zinchenko from Manchester City. They have a fee agreed. It's just a matter of finalising personal terms at this point, but the player is expected to make the move. £30 million, including £2 million in easy-to-hit add-ons. Now, I like Zinchenko. I think he's a good player. And I think this can be a good signing for Arsenal as long as he's being bought to primarily be a midfield player. Because if he's a midfield player, he's an upgrade on Granit Xhaka and he can be a starter for Arsenal. If he's a left-back for them, he's a squad player because he's not as good a left-back as Kieran Tierney. Now, I know the argument is Kieran Tierney has injury issues, so he's going to play a lot there anyway. But his primary focus, his primary role needs to be in midfield. This lad will turn 26 Later this year, he has had limited game time in his Manchester City career. I think it's the fairest way to put it. Now, I know last season there were obviously external issues with what was going on in his homeland that maybe caused Pep to pull him back a little bit from the first team picture. But we're looking at a fella who's only got 5,474 minutes in the Premier League, despite having five seasons of Premier League football under his belt. If we go back and take a look at last season, he played 1,042 minutes in the league, 1,843 in all competitions. The season before, 1,474 minutes, 2,330 in all competitions. Season before that, the 1920 season, he plays 1,272 minutes, 1,746 across all competitions. The season before that, which was 1819, it's 1,153 Premier League minutes, 2,272 in all competitions. And then his first season as a member of the City First Team, 533 minutes, 1,100 minutes at all comps. So only one season over 2,000 minutes in all competitions. Only one season over 1,200 Premier League minutes. For a 26-year-old with that much talent, that is very, very low. But I do feel like he can go to Arsenal and establish himself as a starting midfield player, as he has done for his national team. And that is a talented group with the Ukrainian national team. For 30 million to get a player of his caliber in midfield is a good deal. For 30 million for a backup left back is not a good deal. So my hope is that he's primarily a starting midfielder who'll cover at left back, 
even though he's not the ideal left-back cover for Arsenal, because, as I said before, my belief is when you have specific profiles of fullbacks, and Arsenal have two very specific profiles of fullbacks, both of whom are primarily defensive-minded players, both of whom are quite tall, quite airy dominant, strong defenders. When they're out of the team and you bring in a completely different profile, the makeup of your team changes. Cedric is a totally different type of player than Tomiyasu. Now, forget the level of talent here. Just look at the makeup of the players. Cedric is short, he's quick, he's primarily an attack-minded player. Tomiyasu is tall, he's powerful, he's a Branislav Ivanovic type of fullback. So when Cedric plays instead of Ivanovic, the whole defensive makeup changes. Same thing on the left. Kieran Tierney is about six foot tall, he's a strong defensive player, he's two-footed, which is important. He can cover at centre-back. He's comfortable on the ball. He's a clever passer of the ball. He's not lightning quick, but he's a good carrier of the ball. Nuno Tavares is a completely different profile of left-back. He is tall, but he's not good in the air. He's not good defensively. And he's not a carrier of the ball. He's somebody that is an outlet. Zinchenko on the ball is a good carrier, good passer, but he is entirely left-footed. Now, it's obviously rare to find two-footed fullbacks anyway, but, you know, you lose that aspect of Tierney being able to come in field onto that right foot, which is why Aaron Hickey did make sense for them. But Zinchenko's, I think, 5'7". So he's quite a bit shorter. He's 5'9", actually. He is still shorter than Kieran Tierney. He's not as good in the air. He's not nearly as good defensively. Tierney is a substantially better left-back than Alexander Zinchenko. But Zinchenko is a very, very good midfield player. And he will give Arsenal that balance they're looking for because one of the reasons they kept Xhaka in the team is because he's a left-footer. Zinchenko's a left-footer. He's better on the ball than Xhaka. He's better off the ball than Xhaka. He's got better spatial awareness. He's a better tracker of runners. He's better positional sense. He's not rash in tackles. He's not brainless. He doesn't do stupid things. You'd be hard-pushed to look at Zinchenko's five years at City and find one brainless moment. You can look at the last five games of Granite Xhaka and find two or three of them. So I think he's a much better fit in midfield than at left-back. I don't like him as a left-back for Arsenal. I like him as a left-back for City because that's how City used their fullbacks. Arsenal used their fullbacks in different ways. I know Arteta does basically rip off everything Pep does, but one thing he has done for himself is he's built his defence slightly differently. So, like I said, I do like the signing if he's coming to play in midfield. I don't so much like it if he's coming in to play as primarily a left-back. Another deal that is confirmed is Lisandro Martinez from Ajax to Manchester United. Now, I think it's an overpay, but I do like the player. They've paid, I believe, 55 million euro plus add-ons. Now, bear in mind, I actually paid 7 million euro three years ago. And in his first season, he did struggle. He was very good the second season. He was quite good last season. One thing to note, last season, he played 24 league games. The season before, 26 league games. And the season before that, 24 league games. So he's missed 10, 8, and 10 league games in his three seasons at Ajax. Now, some of that is obviously rest because he has played 12, 11, and 8 in European campaigns, but it is just something to monitor. There might be a couple of little niggly things there with him. Now, I don't think he's a centre-back in the Premier League as far as a back four goes. The reason I liked him for Arsenal, and I liked him more for Arsenal than I did for United, is because he can also cover left-back. And he's more similar to Tierney. Now, he is shorter, he is, but, but as a fullback, that's not as big an issue because he is strong in the air. But he's a 5'9 centre-back coming into United, and that would concern me. Now, 
there is a school of thought, well, he's done really well in the air in the Eredivisie, so why can't that translate? Well, number one, the style of play in the Eredivisie is completely different. Number two, there is nobody currently playing in the Eredivisie who's anywhere near as good in the air as Ivan Tony or Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Ollie Watkins or Mikel Antonio. There's nobody who combines that aerial dominance, that speed and strength of those four. That's before we actually look at Erling Haaland, Darwin Nunes, Harry Kane. I think if he plays centre-back in a back four regularly, I think he's in trouble. I think he could do it as a squad player, which is why I really liked him at Arsenal, because he would have been a squad player for them. He would have been a backup to Gabriel and a backup to Kieran Tierney. So he might have gotten 10 Premier League starts at left-side centre-back. Maybe he gets 15 at left-back. And maybe he would have got another four or five in midfield, where he can also play as a defensive midfielder. You could have put him and Partey in as a double pivot against the bigger and better teams when you want to be a bit more solid at the back. So there's 28, 29 starts in the league for him. So he would have played plenty for Arsenal. At United, given the price they've paid, because remember, Arsenal, I think, bid in and around £33 million for him and then walked away when that wasn't accepted. United have paid substantially more than that, about £12-15 million more than that. So my assumption is United want him to be a starter. Now, he's not going to start at left-back, I assume, because you've got Shaw, you've got Tellez, who I'm guessing will leave, and you've just brought in Malasia. So you're fairly well-stocked at left-back. You can debate the individual qualities of them, but if you've got three left-backs, all of whom you know can play to a certain level, you're not going to go and spend another you know, mid-40s uh, on a, a fourth one. At centre-back, he plays the same position as Harry Kane, left side of a two. Now, United could go to a three, and if they do, I think then he's okay. Because you're not going to have as many duels against the bigger strikers who play more centrally. If the back three is Varane, Maguire and Martinez, then I think he's okay. I also thought he could have fit well at Arsenal or at, at Chelsea in a three. He could have fit really well at Spurs in a three. But in a two, I think he'd get I think he'd get eaten alive by six or seven Premier League strikers that you'd have to face twice a year. So there's 12 to 14 games that he's going to be a liability for you. The Premier League is also far more of an aerial league than the Eredivisie, where much more of the football is played on the floor. Now, I know people think by aerially I'm saying long ball, route one stuff. That's not what I mean. If you look at how the majority of teams attack in the Premier League, many of them play with that physical number nine up front. Others who don't have that physical number nine still tend to cross quite a bit. Now, with City, for example, City cross a lot, but they tend to be low crosses. But Liverpool have played with Sadio Mane and Bobby Firmino up front, not what you'd call physical, imposing strikers, and yet they've still crossed an absolute ton. So when we look at the Premier League for this coming season, obviously Arsenal don't have a physically imposing number nine. They're going to probably roll with Gabriel Jesus as the nine. But they could play Martinelli through the middle, and he's good in the air. Aston Villa have Ollie Watkins. He's a monster. Bournemouth have Dominic Solanke, who's six foot three. He's really coming into his own now, understanding how to use his body a lot better. Still has work to do, especially in the air, but he would be problematic for a five-nine centre back. Brentford have Ivan Tony. Uh, Brighton don't have anybody. Chelsea have Kai Havertz, who's not a prolific goal scorer in the air, but he is very, very good in the air. He times his jumps really well. He's got good spring, and he's very good at directing his headers where he wants them to go. Crystal Palace could roll out Benteke. Everton have Calvert-Lewin. Fulham have Mitrovic. 
Leeds of Patrick Bamford, he's not great in the air, but similar to Havertz, he is still pretty good. He still scores goals with his head. He's six foot, six one. Leicester City, not really to be worried about there. Vardy, Daka, Ian Acho, all better on the floor. But Liverpool have Darwin Nunes this season. Manchester City have Erling Haaland this season. Newcastle have Callum Wilson. Um, Nottingham Forest of Teo Awani, who's pretty decent in the air, really explosive athlete. Southampton, Che Adams is not going to trouble you too much. Tottenham of Harry Kane. And there they've got Richarlison, who's great in the air. West Ham have Antonio. They could be about to add Broya. They could be adding Shkanika. They might have three. And then Wolves have Raul Jimenez, who's really good in the air. So you look up and down the league, that's a tough run for a 5'9 centre-back to have to go up against a lot of guys that are just going to have five, six inches in height. Like I say, in a three, it's less of an issue because you're more often than not going to be up against wingers who don't tend to be big physical players. I think what United will do is play him in midfield. I think we might see him, and if they can get Frankie de Jong, that might be their double pivot. Martinez and Frankie. Martinez will do the dog work, the ball winning, and he'll shield the defence. He's also a, f- a very good passer of the ball. And then Frankie will run the show for them. Bruno is the 10. And you've got Ericsson to play either off a wing or rotation with Frankie and, um, and with Bruno. Donny van de Beek to do similar. So I think United are going to use him as a holding midfielder. Now, some of the pushback I got yesterday when I said this on social media was, well, look at the great centre-backs of the past who've been 5'10 or shorter. Okay, well, let's look at them. Franco Brazi's the best centre-back there's ever been. Franco Brazi was five, is 5'9", but he played in Serie A. He didn't play in the Premier League. It's not the same thing. It's apples to oranges. And the other thing is, he was rapid quick. Rapid quick. Lisandro Martinez is not. So, Beresi's not worth comparing because different league, lightning quick, and, well, by the way, the best defender of all time, or the best central defender of all time. Roberto Ayala. Okay, 5'8", but played in La Liga during the 90s and 2000s, where the game was entirely played on the floor. Still got his ass handed to him a couple of times by big, awkward strikers. But again, lightning quick. So could play as a cover defender. And what a lot of teams would do when they had an Ayala or a Beresi, was they would play, rather than a two, they'd play a one and a one, and the fullbacks would tuck. So Beresi often played as a sweeper to Sati, Costa, Kurt, and Maldini, with Beresi sweeping behind them. The same thing with Ayala, Pellegrini, Anglima, and Carboni would step in, and it would be a three with him behind. So when he would go to attack the ball, he'd largely be attacking balls that he was that were uncontested to. But where he was great was at just picking up the secondary balls. Ivan Cordoba, same thing. Often played in a three, often played fullback. He played with likes of Walter Samuel. So he'd just sweep in behind him. Lightning quick as well, with something that Martinez is not. Martinez isn't slow, but he's not rapid either. Fabio Cannavaro, well, top 10 to 15 centre-back of all time, something Martinez is not. Completely different league, completely different styles of play, and again, would oftentimes act as a sweeper behind Nesta for the national team, behind Turam, 
for Juventus and Parma. And at Parma, he played in a three. So comparing defenders from totally different leagues, from totally different eras, with different skill sets, and to be fair, better skill sets, and especially when two of them are two of the best centre-backs we've ever seen. That's just apples to oranges. You're not making any case here for Martinez. So someone tried to make a case yesterday for Nathan Aki. Well, Nathan Aki had the highest win percentage of any defender in the air last season, the Premier League. But Nathan Aki played almost half of his football last season as a left-back. Nathan Aki wasn't a regular starter in the centre of defence. He won 41 of 49 areas. Massively helped by the fact that when he played left-back, he just won all his aerials because he'd gone up against guys who were the same size or smaller. But Nathan Aki is a better athlete. He's a more explosive athlete than Lisandro Martinez. He's also... Taller than Martinez. Nathan Aki is about six foot. But if we look at Nathan Aki's career, well, his win percentage is about 59%, which isn't great. Now, Aki is the type of player that Martinez could become, you know, a rotation, versatile utility player. Centre-back, left-back, holding midfield. It's why I'm surprised Arsenal didn't go for him when they couldn't get Martinez because apparently City only wanted about 42 million for him. Now it's a lot of money, obviously, but my surprise was that they didn't pivot and go to him. But Aki's numbers last year are inflated by small sample size and the fact that he played left back a lot. He won five of five on the opening day of the season when he played centre-back against Spurs, the Harry Kane-less Spurs going up against giants like Lucas Moura, who's 5'8", and Steven Bergwijn, who's about 5'7". When he went up against Burnley at centre-back, he won four of eight. And there's the difference. Nathan Aki gets targeted when he plays centre-back because he's smaller. What are the successful smaller centre-backs have there been in the league in recent years? Like, I know Aspilicueta played in a back three, but again, it's a back three. And his aerial win rate is not great. It's 61%, which is skewed by the fact that he also plays fullback quite a bit. And I love Aspilicueta. I think he's a tremendous player. But you're not telling me that he hasn't been a bit of a liability in the air over the years. He's also an inch taller than Martinez. So I get that people say, oh, he finds ways to deal with it, this and that and the other thing. He hasn't faced anybody, anybody who's going to put him through the ringer the way Dominic Calvert-Lewin is, the way Ollie Watkins is, the way Mikel Antoni, with Mikel Antoni be licking his lips, the, the, the idea of it. Be delighted with the idea of going out and flinging some 5'9 centre-back around the place for 90 minutes. All they'll do, all West Ham will do is sit Antonio on him and run the play through Aaron Cresswell or whoever's playing left-back and just hike crosses in. That's all they'll, all they'll need to do. And while he might win 50%, that means he's losing 50%. He might win 60%, but he's still losing two of every five. And that's an issue. If you want to win in the Premier League, you need to be great in both boxes. And one of the ways to be great in both boxes is to be dominant in your own box. To be dominant in your own box, you need monsters. Liverpool have monsters. Van Dijk, Matip and Kanate. Monsters. And don't tell me that Martinez won more aerials in the Eredivisie than 
Canate won in the Premier League. Number one, look at the volume. And number two, look at who they're going up against. Ricky Van Wolfswinkel is probably the best striker in the air in the Eredivisie. The guy came to the Premier League and got folded into 17 pieces in his, on his debut. He's no Mikel Antonio. He's no, like, I'm not even talking about great strikers. Callum Wilson's not a great striker, but he will batter a 5'9 centre-back. And it's not just the aerial side of things. It's the physical side of things as well. Because Martinez tries to physically impose himself on strikers. It's not going to work against the monsters walking around the Premier League. It's just not. And he'll end up pulling and dragging out of people and he'll end up getting himself yellow carded and red carded. The other example people tried to give me yesterday was Montero, Paolo Montero from Juventus, who's probably the best comp in terms of style and build. The guy spent half his career suspended. He was sent off regularly. He was also more of a left-back than he was a centre-back. Really good player. But his aggression was just out of control. 21 red cards in his career. 16 in Syria. 16 red cards. He only played for 13 years. 21 red cards. That's ridiculous. And the same thing will happen. The same thing will happen to Martinez if he's used there. At mid- in midfield, he can do really well. And he can have spot starts in defence. But if you play him as your primary centre-back in a two, I am telling you now he's getting eaten alive. City have monsters for a reason. Diaz, a monster. Laporte is great in the air. Stones, to his credit, very, very good in the air. They're the successful teams. The last five league title winners. I know City bought Aki, but one of the reasons they bought him was his versatility. He can be a holding midfielder and a left-back. I know Liverpool have Joe Gomez, but he wasn't bought by the current regime. Jurgen Klopp didn't buy him. Jurgen Klopp... As good as Joe Gomez is, Jurgen Klopp wouldn't buy him. He's too small. He's not good enough in the air. Jurgen Klopp buys monsters. Look at his Dortmund team. Subotic was 6-5. Hummels is 6-4. They're dominant in the air. That's what he wants. You're not winning the Premier League with small centre-backs. You're just not. And if the pairing is Varane, and Martinez, they're going to get bullied on both sides because Iran struggled something shocking last season against the physicality of the Premier League. And if the pairing is Maguire and Martinez, you're going to be screwed for pace. You're going to have to play Juan Basaka right back. Uh, just a note on Maguire. He got booed today in a pre-season friendly, which is just appalling. You're on the other side of the world. You get to see these players once, maybe every three years. You don't boo your club captain. I don't rate my club captain. I think he's bang average on a good day. But I still wouldn't boo him. Uh, let's move on. Thought I'd take a quick look at some of the players who've been sold this year or how the clubs have sold this year. We've obviously had a look at the signings so far a couple of times. So let's go through the sales uh, A through W. So. Two sales for Arsenal, Matteo Guendouzi and Konstantinos Mavroponos. Two good players, two players I think Arsenal would have been better off keeping. Selling them's not the issue. Selling them badly is the issue. Nine million for Guendouzi, who's a French international. 2.7 million for Mavroponos. That's dreadful, dreadful business. The problem with both of those deals is they sent them on loan with options to buy well below what the market value was going to be. So Arsenal, thus far, your sales are an F. You also let Lacazette go on a free because you were too silly to sell him a year ago. 
Um, Aston Villa, they got 15.75 million for Matt Target and 3.6 million for Trezeguet. I think they've done really well. Matt Target's a fine left back, but he's a 10 million pound player. And Trezeguet missed a year with an ACL tear. Didn't look great when he came back. That's good value. Um, Conor Huron and Lovre Kalinic um, gone on free transfers. Neither player will be missed because they weren't playing last season. Um, Bournemouth, Gary Cahill released on a free. Robbie Brady released to Preston on a free. Gavin Kilkenny sent on loan. Uh, nothing really to note there. Uh, for Brentford, it's just the three out the door. Uh, Jan Veer, Eriksson and Zanke. They would have liked to have kept Eriksson. I don't think they were too sad to see Zanke go. It didn't really work with him there. He's a good centre-back, but at this point in his career, he's just very injury-prone. So they did the right thing in saying goodbye. Uh, for Brighton, a couple of sales here. Yves Basuma, 25 million. It's low, but they didn't really have much of a say in the matter because he had one year left in his contract. It was pretty clear he wasn't going to re-sign. So they really had to sell him. And look, 25 million is not a bad price, but certainly if they'd sold him a year ago, you think they would have got somewhere in the region of 40 million. I don't like this one. I don't like Leo Ostergaard at 4.5 million. I really don't understand why Brighton have sold him when they're crying out for a centre-back of his type, of his calibre. Uh, and it's well below market value. 4.5 million for a guy who's proven himself in the championship. That's one of the toughest leagues around. And then he was quite good with Genoa. It was a dreadful Genoa team. It wasn't his fault that they went down. He also had a good loan at St. Pauli. So he's been very good in his loan spells, and I think they've badly undersold him. Um, they've loaned Hayden Roberts to Derby, Abdelassima to Angiers. I hope he does well. I like him. Uh, Aaron Connolly gone to Venezia on loan, and Simon Adringa, who they signed from Nordal's End for $7.2 million. They've loaned him as well to uh, St. Gilles, the club they own in Belgium. Yeah, Belgium. Right, Chelsea. They loaned Lukaku, which is just madness. Uh, they didn't really have any say in the others. Rudiger, Christensen, they both wanted to go. Charlie Masonda, Masonda, who was, when they signed him, one of the most sought-after young players in Europe, never made the grade. Uh, Jake Clark, Salter, didn't make the grade at Chelsea, gone to QPR. I hope he does really well. And Danny Drinkwater, uh, one of the many failures of the Marina era. Uh, I, I hope Danny Drinkwater finds a club and can sort of, you know, get his career back on track. He did pretty well with Reading last year in the championship, and that's probably the level he needs to look at uh, this summer. Nobody of note gone from... Palace, uh, Martin Kelly, probably the, the best known released player. He'd been injured so often the last couple of years. It's no real loss. Uh, Richarlison sold by Everton for 60 million. It's a great price. It really is a great price. Uh, John Joe Kenny left to go to Hertha Berlin on a free, turned down a new contract at Everton. They did what they could. He wanted to go. Uh, Cheng Tusen. Disastrous signing. He's out the door, finally, on a free. Um, one of the worst pieces of business in Everton history. A little bit surprised they've let Fabian Delph go, I have to say. I thought they'd keep him for another year because I thought he could be valuable to the squad. The same with Andy Lonergan. Just as a valuable training ground goalkeeper experience, he's been around, he knows what it's about, he knows how to hold a high standard. He, you know, was at Liverpool for a year, he learned that. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson released the less said the better. Joe Virginia loaned. Um, moving on, Fulham Fabio Carvalho gone to Liverpool. There was nothing they could do about that. He was out of contract. They did get 5.3 million plus some add ons, so they got what they could. I think they sold low on Zambo and Gisa, uh, 13.5 million for a player of his quality. Just seems very, very low. 
for a player I think Napoli could probably get 25, 26 million for. He's only 26. He was outstanding in the Premier League when Fulham were there. Um, he's had two good loans, one at Villarreal, one at Napoli. He was great for Marseille. The only bad season he's really had was the first Premier League season with Fulham, but they were a train wreck from start to finish. I, I think they've sold quite low on him. So I, I, I think they could have done better. I really do. I would have loved that they could have kept him, but I think he wanted to move on. He'd been, what, four years at Fulham? And, you know, two relegations, he probably didn't want to go through that again. He's he's a Champions League caliber player. Uh, and I think he'll do really well for Napoli moving forward. Uh, Cyrus Christie, Michael Hector, Alfie Mawson, and no real losses there. John michel Seri arrived the same summer. Zambo, very highly touted, uh, had been linked with Barcelona. But it just, it never really worked. It never really worked. He had a good season, to be fair, last year with Fulham. And I'm a bit surprised he didn't try and hang on to him. Um, because he played well in the championship. But uh, he's made the move to Hull on a three-year deal. So look, best of luck to him. Um, as long as he's happy and, and enjoying his career. He is 31 now, so I hope he's earning some decent coin out of that one. Uh, Stephen Sessegnon loaned to Charlton for his continued development. Leeds United, Calvin Phillips with 45 million. I've seen a few people question that fee uh, from both sides. In a world where he is England's first choice, it's him and Rice, that's the the partnership. Um, He's one of the better midfielders in the league. I think he could play for pretty much everybody. You know, I don't think he starts for City uh, if they're at full strength. I think De Bruyne, Rodri and Bernardo Silva is probably about the best midfield in the world. Um, But I think he'd start for basically everybody else in the league. Like, he's better than Henderson. He's better than Jorginho. Uh, I think he's better than Bentoncourt. He's better than everybody Arsenal have. Him and Thomas Partey would have been a really good pairing he's one I would have gone for if I was Arsenal. As soon as the summer window opened, I'd have been in for him. Because I think he would have brought the toughness and leadership they need, as well as the quality. And with his ability to shield the defence, you could have freed Partey to go and play box to box. Um, So I don't think it's a high fee. I, I think it's about right. I think he's about a £40 million player that you got £45 million for. You know, you look at Declan Rice, who's probably a £50 million player, and West Ham want £100 million for him. You look at Harry Maguire, who was a £35-40 million centre-back, United paid £80 million for him. When we operate in this type of transfer uh, sphere, I think it's a fairly good fee for City. I think it's a decent fee for Leeds. They got a little bit above what he's really worth. Um it's a shame for Leeds to lose him because he's such a good player and he is obviously an academy graduate, but I'm sure he'll end up back there before the end of his career, to be fair. Uh, one way or another, I think he'll find his way home. Uh, Rafinha, 55 million is, is decent value. Uh, I thought he'd go for somewhere in that 50 to 60 million range and, and they got 55 for him. So I think that's fair enough. I, I don't see any real reason anyone could complain about that. Um, Leeds do very well out of the deal. They paid 17, so they get over three times the money. Um, and as far as I know, they were able to include some penalties into it. Where if Barcelona miss on payment deadlines, Leeds will get an extra million each time they miss. So there could be some extra money to be racked up there. Um, Liam McCarron gone to Stoke for an undisclosed fee. A uh, little bit surprised that Leeds let him go. Um, he's, you know, he's a talented young player that they brought in from Carlisle, but it was obviously decided that he wasn't quite of the level required, and maybe he just wanted more game time as well, so he's been moved on. Charlie Cresswell on loan to Millwall, and Tyler Roberts on loan to QPR. Um, Leicester only Eldon Yakupovic has left the club. He was released at the end of his contract. 
Uh, Liverpool, a lot have gone. Loris Karius has gone. Ben Woodburn has gone. Shea Ojo has gone. Years after all of them should have been gone. Marco Grujic, uh, his deal from last summer became a permanent deal, as did that of Harry Wilson. So 25 million there or thereabouts between the two of them. Could be 23 million coming in for them. Divock Origi left at the end of his contract. Uh, 13.5 million plus add-ons for Takumi Minamino. So they doubled their money on him. Uh, not a bad deal at all for Liverpool. Uh, Nico Williams is 17 million, including add-ons, which I think is a really good deal for Liverpool. And then Sadio Mane for 28.8 plus about another six and a half in add-ons. I think it's low. I thought it was low beforehand. I think it's low now when I see Bayern going out and splashing money on Delict, uh, looking to buy Young Till from um, Ren for similar money, and looking to bring in Conrad Lamer. They were crying poor mouth, but yet now they have all the money. I know they're selling Lewandowski, but he doesn't cover everything. And they'd already brought in uh, Gravenberch before they bought Sadio. So I think Liverpool got shafted a little bit on that one. I think they could have done better. City are selling everybody, it seems, this summer. Uh, Diego Rosa is gone on loan. Fernandinho left on a free. Uh, Ritaro Messina left to go back to Japan on a free. Ko Itakuri, quality fullback. He's gone to Gladbach for 4.5 million. Pedro Poro gone to Sporting for six, sorry, 7.7 million. He's excellent. He is excellent. He will be a 25 million pound player next summer, is my guess. I think someone will come in with a big offer for him next summer. So keep an eye on him. Uh, Gavin, Gavin Basunu for 12.6 million to Southampton. It's very good value for City for a player they bought for, I think, a quarter of a million. Um, but it's a shame because I would have liked to have seen him get an opportunity in the first team squad, especially when you clearly made a decision to move on. Um, what's the fella's name that's gone to Middlesbrough guy? The, the goalkeeper. Stefan, Zach Stefan. Um, you'd made a decision to move him on. Why not give Basuno an opportunity to be the backup, play in the Cups? Get some league experience. You know, it is what it is. Uh, they sold Romeo Lavia to Southampton as well. Another young player that just, they decided wasn't going to get an opportunity. So out he goes. Spend 45 million on a new player. Such is the way they operate. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, 45 million is really good price for Gabriel Jesus. Um, he wasn't going to feature much for City moving forward with the signings of uh, Haaland and Alvarez, so why not move him on? I think they'll regret the Raheem Sterling sale. 47.3 million. Um, I know he only had a year left in his contract, but 47 million for 27-year-old Raheem Sterling? That's low. Um, that is one of the 10 best players in the league over the last five years. And you've just cut ties for whatever reason. He's a significantly better player than Jack Grealish, who they spent $100 million on last summer. He's a better player than Mares. He's also four years younger than Mares, who they've just given a new contract to. So I'm not really sure what's going on with Raheem. And obviously Zinchenko going in. Look, $30 million for him is, is good value for City. Um, so I don't mind the business, but I think Basunu and Sterling should have been given more opportunity or, you know, in Sterling's case, uh, a new contract and a place, a guaranteed starting role, given he is one of your better players. And given that in the Guardiola era, it's only really De Bruyne who stands above him as the best player of the Guardiola era. Manchester United, Paul Pogba left in a free. We can all rejoice. Uh, Dean Henderson's gone on loan to Forrest. Matic joined Roma for free. Andreas Pereira went to Fulham for 10 million, which is good value for United. Uh, Cavani, Lingard and Juan Mata all released. And Lee Grant retired. Uh, Manchester United legend Lee Grant, who had been at the club years, absolute years. No, I, I could have sworn he'd been there about 10 years. He'd only been there four years. So they signed him in 2018. 
I could have sworn he'd been there much, much longer than that. Uh, had himself a solid career. He's retired now. Watford Academy went to Derby, made his name there. Had a loan at Burnley, a loan at, at Oldham. Really found his footing in the game um, at Sheffield Wednesday for three years, then Burnley for three years, back to Derby, ended up at Stoke, and then signed for United purely as a as a squad quota filler and obviously a, a training ground goalkeeper. So, he, look, he's been an important part of the squad as you know one of the older statesmen. So, you know, best of luck in your retirement. I assume he'll become a coach. I assume he'll become a coach. Uh, Newcastle, Isaac Hayden gone on loan. Kieran Clark gone on loan. Jeff Hendrick gone on loan. There'd be no disrespect to the cuz on this podcast. Uh, Freddie Woodman gone on a permanent deal to Preston. I think they got undervalue on him. And Jake Turner joined Gillingham on a free. Um, I think Clark and Hendrick are both at a contract next summer. So that's basically uh, the permanent departure for them. Nottingham Forest got 4.5 million for Bryce Samba from Lens. I'm not a fan, so whatever you can get. Uh, Tobias Figueredo went to Hull on a free. Hull making some spicy signings with him and, um, and Seri. Ethan Horvat gone to Luton on loan. Jonathan Panzo gone to Coventry on loan. I think that's a really good loan. There's a lot of talent in that player. And he's been knocking around for a while at this point, but he's still very young. He's still only 21. will be 22 in October. But he made his Monaco debut at four years ago. Uh, ended up at Dion. Forrest got him, I think, on the on the cheap. I don't think they paid much for him at all. Um, but he is a good defender. And if he gets opportunities at Coventry next season, I think he'll do well. I really do think he'll do well. Definitely a talented defender. Definitely one who can play at the Premier League level, but needs to be kind of worked into that, that sort of level. Um, Carl Jenkinson, Gaetong Bong, and Lewis Graben all released on freeze. Southampton, Harry Lewis released. Shane, he joined Bradford. Shane Long released. He's on trial at Reading, I think, or he's joining Reading. Uh, Fraser Forrester left in a free and went to Tottenham. Dan Lund, Lund, Lundaloo, I think it's Lundaloo, um, went to Cheltenham on loan. Nothing really to, to go over there. All those moves were expected. Spurs got £28 million for Steph, uh, Stephen Bergvine. £28 million pounds for Stephen Bergvine from Ajax. Ajax obviously cash rich this summer. They've had a couple of big sales actually on the topic of one of their big sales. If you haven't seen Sebastian Haller, who joined Dortmund this summer, diagnosed with a testicular tumour. So hopefully that's been caught good and early. There's a possibility it is non-cancerous, but obviously a scary time for him. And hopefully he can make a full recovery. Um, Anyway, 28 million for Stephen Bergwijn is nuts. A good player, but I mean, he done nothing at Spurs for the time he was there, and they didn't pay that much for him. Cameron Carter-Vickers, 6.3 million from Celtic. It's a little bit of an overpay by Celtic, but he's all right. He's good for Scotland. Uh, and Jake Clark, or sorry, Jack Clark, who's really talented, but just wasn't ready for the move to Spurs, needed to stay longer at Leeds. And when he went back to Leeds on the loan, Bielsa just didn't give him an opportunity. Uh, his career stagnated, but he did well on loan with Sunderland last season, and I hope he does well this season. The boy can play. Um, West Ham United, Yarmolenko gone on a free. Ryan Fredericks gone on a free. David Martin gone on a free. And Mark Noble has retired. Yarmolenko is the one I think they'll miss from a playing point of view, and I think Noble from a dressing room point of view. Uh, will be a loss, but West Ham look be having themselves quite the good window with Agar, Downs and Ariola in the door and possibly as many as four more still to come. Um, and Wolves haven't sold anybody. So nothing to talk about there. We will take a break. When we come back, we'll run through the gossip. We'll see what's going on with the major journalists and then we'll be done for the day. See you in a sec. 
Right, let's start with John Percy, whose reporting on Forrest this summer has been great. Obviously, his reporting in the Midlands is second to none, but he's been really good on the Forrest stuff. Uh, he reported today that the Lewis O'Brien-Harry Toffolo deal was looking a bit shaky. O'Brien had had his medical, but something had gone amiss with the Toffolo deal. Uh, now it appears that it is back on. Forrest went and started looking at other options to bring in for a left back, um, but common sense has prevailed, and it looks like that deal is going to go ahead as planned, and both Huddersfield lads will join Forrest in the next day or so. Uh, Jed Spence has been confirmed as the new wingback for Tottenham Hotspur, 12.5 million, rising to 20 million. It's a lot of add-ons, but he's a really good player. A really good player. So one I've been keen on for three years now, two, three years. Looking forward to seeing him in the Premier League. Um, Guy Drinkle, ace Liverpool reporter, is reporting that Reese Williams has joined Blackpool on loan. So good luck to him. Hopefully it goes better than his loan at Swansea did last season. Uh, let's have a look at what Romano has to say. He's always got a million tweets to go through. Uh, da, 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 da. Where does it start? Where does it start? Right, Jonathan Klaus. He is going to Marseille. He had obviously been strongly linked with Chelsea. He would have been a really good signing for Chelsea. But Marseille makes more sense for him because he'll be a starter there. Uh, Matthias De Ligt, done deal to Bayern Munich. That was kind of widely reported yesterday. Uh, Zinchenko. Juventus will submit an official bid for Gleason Bremer today as a potential De Ligt replacement. Inter had a 30 million pound proposal or 30 million euro proposal on the table already. Uh, Jed Spence, um, Colombian striker Luis Suarez, formerly of Watford, I believe, on his way to Marseille to undergo medical tests. Watford find gems. They really do find gems frequently. And I know he didn't get the opportunity with them largely because of the work permit issue. But, I mean, he is a good footballer and he has gone on to do quite well for himself. Um, what did Watford... Watford got 10 million for him and now Granada are selling him on, you'd assume it, you know, in and around the same money, if not a profit. So, fair play. He had a pretty good season last year. He was really good with Saragossa the year before. Never played a minute for Watford. Uh, had three loans before being sold. Again, like I said, the work permit thing just didn't really um, didn't really allow for him to get the opportunities he wanted. Ajax and RB Leipzig closing on final details for Brian Brobby. He's a strange player. I mean, I don't really understand what's gone on with his career. Was coming through the Ajax Academy, was highly touted. Last summer, just decided to leave on a free and go to go to Leipzig and ended up back at Ajax six months later and is now going back on a permanent deal. So not really sure what's happened there, but, you know, best of luck to him. He's still a very young player, only 20. Um, I'm sure he'll do well for Ajax. Fabio Silva signed a one-year contract extension with Wolves and immediately been loaned to Anderlecht. He needs to discover the knack of how to score a goal. That's what he needs to do in the next year. Bayern are feeling confident to sign Conrad Lehmer after Matthias De Ligt. New big bit expected soon. Uh, Zinchenko medicals to take place this week. Uh, Zach Steffen confirmed as the new Middlesbrough signing. AC Milan board are planning to fly to Belgium tomorrow to meet with Club Bruges and complete the negotiations for Charles de Ketelier. Worth pointing out that Leeds still have comfortably the highest bid in for him. Uh, Bremer deal. Juventus submitted 40 million guaranteed fee plus 7 million in add-ons. That's a lot of money. Uh, Bremer's good, but that's a lot of money for Gleason Bremer uh, off the back of one good season where he played in the middle of the back three, which won't be the shape that Juventus will play next season in all likelihood. Um, but it does seem like that deal is done. Um, it does seem like all has been agreed and he is on his way 
to Juventus. It's a bit of a blow for a bit of a blow for Inter, who seemed to have had him targeted for quite a while. Um, Aaron Moy has completed his free transfer signing to Celtic for a year. I like it. I do. Um, Maurice Jens also joining on a season-long loan with an option to buy. Have to admit, I don't know a whole lot about him. He is a German centre-back. We'll take him. We'll take him. Trust the process. Uh, And that is it from our our friend Fabio or Fabrizio, rather. Um, Orenstein has been quiet. The last thing was that one of the alternative left-backs that Forrest had pivoted towards was Alex Moreno from Real Betis. I wouldn't, good wing-back, but at 29, I don't think that would have been a smart move. I think the money would have been too much for his age group, and he's not coming in to be a starter. Harry Tafalo is a better signing for them. Uh, who else do we go to? Mike McGrath, always a reliable source. Carney uh, Chukwemeka has rejected an Aston Villa contract extension and no sign of agreement. He can seal pre-contract with another club in January and leave for around 400000 next summer, which many would explore in his situation. Uh, club expect, clubs expected to bid before that. I, I think... There will be bids this summer, but there's absolutely no chance that Aston Villa are getting the £20 million that they are demanding. Absolutely no chance that's happening. Uh, Sammy Mockbell, Mockbell? Uh, the Daily Daily Mail, rather, not not exactly the most reliable, but he's got nothing going at the minute. What about James Ducker? Uh, He seems infatuated by... United's pre-season friendly, which they won 3-1 over Crystal Palace. Um, Again, uh, largely Crystal Palace reserves. Um, Interview with Ten Hag on being severe with discipline, why he's backing Maguire as club captain, embrace to partner him with Warrior Martinez. So, I mean, is it going to be a three? If not, because Varane has to play. Uh, De Jong pursuit, reasons for going Dutch over English in the market and restoring belief. Um, anything managers say in pre-season tends to be nonsense. The BBC has a piece about Maguire getting booed. They have a piece about Sebastian Haller, a piece about Zinchenko, one about Jed Spence, one about Fabio Silva, one about Zlatan signing a new deal. Um, the police in Milan have apologised after the way Tamayo Bakayoko was stopped and searched by the police officers. It was absolutely shambolic. If you've seen the video, you know what I mean. If you haven't, you'll find it on Twitter. I think Tancredi Palmieri, uh, spoofer that he is, he tweeted out the video. Let's just do the gossip and get ourselves done. Atletico Madrid have contacted Cristiano Ronaldo's representatives over signing the Portugal forward. No, they haven't. Cristiano Ronaldo's representatives have contacted Atletico Madrid and in all likelihood been told, no, we don't want him. Thanks, but no thanks. New Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag says Ronaldo could stay at Old Trafford beyond the year he has left in his contract. Uh, I think I speak for fans of all other clubs when I say I hope so. Manchester United boss Eric Ten Hag aims to tempt AC Milan to part with Ishmael Benasser and is prepared to offer Donny van de Beek as part of a swap deal for the Algerian. Um, I'll go ahead and call nonsense on that one. Chelsea have, off- have agreed personal terms with Jules Kunde and offered £47 million to Sevilla. That's from Marca, so uh, I would take everything they say with a pinch of salt. Wales midfielder Aaron Ramsey is in talks with Juventus to settle the final year of his contract. There's no market for him because no one wants to pay him any money. Uh, my guess is he gets some sort of buyout with Juventus where he has to give back some money and he ends up in America playing with Bale. Not in the same team, but, you know, 
also an MLS. Uh, Matthias Delict has arrived in Germany to complete his move to Bayern Munich. Barcelona are refusing to commit to paying Frankie de Jong the 14 million he is owed from restructuring his contract, delaying his potential move to Manchester United. I think the bigger delay in his potential move to Manchester United is that he doesn't want to go. I, I, I think that's the, the biggest delay. West Ham are confident of signing Lille's Belgian midfielder Amadou Onana after making a new bid of about 30 million plus add-ons. The Hammers are also interested in Jesse Lingard. Uh, one's a good signing and one is not. Leeds and West Ham are interested in Martin Terrier, who cost about 34 million. It's a lot of money. He is a good player. Um, could see him doing really well for, for Leeds in particular. Arsenal's hopes of signing Lucas Paqueta have been given a boost with Leon dropping their asking price. He makes absolutely no sense for Arsenal, so they kind of do expect him to end up there. Manchester City have officially bid to sign Mark Cucurella. We'll see. We'll see if that's true. Uh, Brighton, we're trying to get them to sign a new contract, but, I mean, if they get offered $50 million, it'll be hard to say no. Napoli are interested in signing Kepa from Chelsea, either on a permanent basis or on loan. If it's on a permanent basis, uh, Chelsea are going to lose money, not just on what they paid, but let's say Kepa has been at Chelsea now four years. So he has three years left on a contract that pays him £180,000 a week, which is £9 million a year. So Chelsea owe him £27 million plus bonuses over the next three years. They're not getting £27 million for him. So they might get 20 and they'll have to give all of that to him or at least most of it to him to make up for the difference in what Napoli will pay him, which will be a, probably about 80 grand a week. So, yeah, he'll be owed about 15 million if he signs an 80 grand a week contract because he hasn't asked for a transfer. So Chelsea might end up with 5 million and they'd have to go and find a new backup keeper. They'd be better off just keeping them. They really would. Wouldn't be worth the hassle otherwise. You're going to end up paying out most of that contract one way or another, so just keep him. Uh, Argentina striker Paolo de Bala has agreed to join Roma. I'm stunned. I, I thought for certainly go to Inter, but I love the signing for Roma. Ginny Wijnaldum has been offered to Roma and AC Milan, who are considering a loan with an option to buy. He's a great signing for anybody. AC Milan hope to sign Jaffa Tanganga on loan this week with an option to buy. I like that. I do. I think he's a good defender. Chelsea are looking to sell Ross Barkley before the start of the season. I'm sure they are, but, you know. Uh, Billy Gilmore is set for the loan spell after being released from the preseason training squad. I'd be curious to see where he goes. I, I kind of want him to go abroad and get some experience in, in you know, the Bundesliga, Liga, uh, La Liga, wherever. Uh, Wolves are the only club to have made a concrete move for Matthias Nunes so far. I think so far is the key in that phrase. Uh, Nottingham Forest have joined Everton in the race to sign Maxwell Corne. Oh, that could be interesting. You put him and Brennan Johnson either side of a one e or play Brennan Johnson as a 10 behind him and a one e and you've got Sam Surridge. That could be fun. I, I think the money's better spent on a natural 10, though. Um, Middlesbrough are plotting to sign Brentford striker Marcus Fors. The 23-year-old Finland striker spent the second half of last season on loan at Hull. Um, one flaw in the wording of this, well, first of all, he scored one goal on his loan spell at Hull. Uh, he is talented. He's a decent player. Um, and he's, he's a good championship player right now i think uh the only problem is when you plot something it's normally a secret so football insider would not know so it's probably garbage because well let's be honest everything football insider puts out is garbage qpr and blackburn want brighton's 21 year old english midfielder taylor richards who had a loan spell at birmingham 
last season. Um, Again, I don't know. Uh, We'll leave it there. That is us for today, folks. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Have a good evening and goodbye. Podcast Network.